Now there were some Greeks among us who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came down from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered, otherwise said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Now we're in John chapter 12, and uh, already we're in the last week of Jesus' life, and uh, John is uh, highlighting, highlighting things that he wants you to know about Jesus Christ so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing this you will have life in his name. He wants you to have eternal life. That's why he writes these things. Uh, the section that uh, Jim read today, I have three major points. And I'm taking them all from the words of Jesus, all highlighting the cross and uh, emphasizing what the cross of Jesus is all about. Point number one, Jesus hated his life. You should hate yours too. Jesus hated his life. You should hate yours too. Notice verse 20. There were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with the request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. 
while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. It's interesting, uh, uh, Greeks coming up to Jesus and they pick out uh, two disciples. These happen to be the two disciples with Greek names. Andrew, Greek name, and uh, Philip, Greek name. By, by the way, Philip's about as Greek a name as you can get. So here are the two disciples. They've got Greek names, and Greeks decide that's who we're going to ask to see Jesus. And uh, the one goes to, Philip goes to Andrew and says, I've got people want to see Jesus. Andrew goes to Jesus, and then the Greeks are seemingly forgotten. <laughs> right? What, what about the Greeks? And it's interesting that I think the rest of this is Jesus' response to the Greeks. The Greeks say, we want to see Jesus. And Jesus says, the hour has now come for the Son of Man to be glorified. In other words, you want to see me? I'm going to the cross. The cross is a worldwide event. It's for Jews and it's for Greeks. By the way, in this passage, you're the Greek. You're the non-Jew. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> and I think, well, I think what the Greeks were thinking, we want to see Jesus and we want to see a miracle. Or we want to see Jesus and we want to hear some words of wisdom. And Jesus' uh, response to them is, the hour's now come. The kernel of wheat has to die. I love that. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a seed of wheat, having fallen to the ground, should die, it remains alone. But if it should die, it produces much fruit. And Jesus is talking about his life. I have to die. I have to die so that I can have many seeds and so that many seeds can have life. I'm going to die for the world. The seed has to die. A couple few months ago, one of the books that we read in the book club at Huron was Last Hunger Season. And uh, in the book, The Last Hunger Season, they take uh, African farmers and they teach them how to farm in Kenya. And so what they teach them is they, they, you take your seed of corn and uh, you measure out your row. And they actually have a little stick that they take and they put the stick on the ground and you measure so far and then you dig a little hole, and here's how, hole the, here's how deep the hole has to be. And then in the bottom of the hole, you measure out a little piece of fertilizer, and then you have to put dirt on top of the fertilizer because the little grain of corn will be burned if you put it on the fertilizer. Then you put the seed in, and then you cover it over, and amazing results. Just teaching them how to farm, putting a single seed in a hole, and man, the work involved. Brent, is that how you farm? You got so many kids, though, Brent. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. Of course, they farm like an acre. <laughs> and with one acre farmed the right way, it transforms their life and transforms their family. Because that one little seed produces a few hundred seeds. From one little seed. It's worth putting a seed in the ground. 
because you're going to get a couple hundred back. And so that's what Jesus gives us this parable for. The seed has to die so that there can be life for many seeds. He even puts it plainly. The man who hates, the man who loves his life will lose it. The man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. We live in a world where people love their lives. They love their lives. It's the most important thing to them. It's precious to them. They'll spend any amount of time and any amount of money to look good, to be healthy, to have wonderful experiences, to have pleasure and enjoyment, to eat the things they want to eat. Of course, I'm one to talk. They love their life. Jesus calls us to hate our lives, to be willing to be hurt, to be willing to sacrifice, to go without for the sake of others and for the sake of Jesus Christ. And the funny thing is, if you hate your life, you actually get to keep it. If you hate your life, you keep it for eternity. Whereas if you love your life, you lose it. I think about that. I go, so really what I should do, <laughs> if I want to love my life, I need to wake up every morning and lose it and give it away. If I really love my life, I should lose it for Jesus every day. And if you hate your life, you should wake up every morning and just think about yourself. <laughs> what am I going to do today? How am I going to satisfy my desires today? Go ahead and do that. And this life is all you've got and all you're going to get. Jesus hated his life. You should hate your life too. It's funny, we're, we're planning on going to uh, Uganda in November, December. And uh, my sister-in-law is a medical doctor in London, and all she does is travel clinic. And so we sent her an email. And we sent an email, okay, what shots do we need and what kind of preparations do we need to make for our health? And this was the email she sent back. You have to have a shot for yellow fever. However, there is a worldwide shortage. And we don't have enough for everybody. Nobody gets a full dose. You can get a dose that will last you for a year. And I'm thinking, maybe I don't want to go to Uganda. <laughs> if I can only get a partial dose. It's true. You can only, I, we can only go get a partial dose. And she goes, you should probably get it in the next couple of months because they might actually run out of those doses. We've only got so many. And it's only a partial dose. It will only last you for a few months. So I'm thinking, oh boy, should we still go? You know what Jesus would say? Go. Hate your life so that you can save it. And if you love your life, you lose it. And Jesus showed us that. As he went to the cross, he hated his life. Point number two. This was Jesus' finest hour. Notice verse 23. 
Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I love this. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 27, My heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. This was Jesus' finest hour, going to the cross. Some of you told me that you've seen uh, the latest movie on Winston Churchill, The Darkest Hour. Is that, is that the title of the movie? Nobody, nobody here? Oh, my wife says yes. I don't think she's seen it. Maybe you have, to, you have seen it. Wow. Well, 70 years ago, 70 years, well, not more than 70 years ago now, 1940, June 18, 1940, Winston Churchill, six weeks in office as prime minister, confronted with the threat of invasion from the Nazis, rose in the House of Commons and gave us 36-minute speech, trying to rally his countrymen, and uh, it's gone down in history as his finest hour speech. And the speech ends with these words. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour, has resonated ever since. On both sides of the Atlantic and beyond, it's been hailed as the moment when Britain found the resolve to fight on after the fall of France and ultimately in alliance with Russia and the Americans vanquished the German armies that had overrun most of Europe. Finest hour. Uh, well, this is Jesus' finest hour speech. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is Jesus' finest hour as he goes to the cross and dies in our place. That's the finest hour. And so I asked the question, how is God glorified and how is Jesus glorified on the cross? Glory is the external manifestation of the greatness of God. External manifestation of his greatness. You can't see God. You can't see how great he is. But you can see the glory, the external manifestation of that greatness. And you see it best in Jesus at the cross. That's when God is most glorious. Well, how is that most glorious of God? What do you see of God that is so spectacular when Jesus hangs on the cross? Let me list them. Some of them. The greatest display of God's love. Right? God demonstrated his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the manifestation of the love of God as Jesus hangs on the cross. You know how much he loves you because there it is, visibly displayed for you. As Jesus lays down his life, God's love. 
God's mercy is best displayed as Jesus hangs on that cross because the punishment that Jesus gets, that should be you. But God looks down on us and out of His mercy, He has pity on us and He feels for us. And so He sends His Son to do what we most need because we're desperate. We're desperate sinners. And so He, out of His mercy sends his son to die in our place. It's a display of the mercy of God. It's a display of the humility of God. The humility of God. He's willing to humble himself, take on human flesh, be beaten, be mocked, die. It's an example of the forgiveness that God gives. Because as Jesus is being nailed to the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's a great display of the justice of God. God is God, God is just. Sin must be punished. There, justice. It's reading in the newspaper this week. People sometimes don't like justice. Uh I forget what state it was in. They have uh, cameras, and uh, the cameras catch people who go through red lights. And uh, the court has just overturned all of those fines that uh, some of the cities have gotten from people running red lights and being caught on camera. And it's millions of dollars. And I thought, well, I don't know. It's kind of like justice. (laughs) People love justice when it's somebody else. But when they have to pay the fine, we don't want justice. Uh, God gives justice. And justice is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for sins. That's the glory of God. God is glorified by the cross. His secret things that we cannot see are put on full display. Point number three. So the cross is Jesus hating his life, and you should hate your life too. The cross is Jesus' finest hour. And finally, the cross is Jesus dying and drawing humanity to himself. The cross is Jesus dying and drawing humanity to himself. Look with me at verse 30. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Um, it's interesting. There is an irony. There is an irony to the cross here. The irony is this: the world, Romans. And the religious leaders think that they're passing judgment on Jesus. The cross is really a judgment on humanity. And so the judgment is we fail spectacularly. God's Son came to the earth, the one who made us. And what did we do to him? Killed him. Beat him crucified him, made fun of him, mocked him, 
By the way, that judgment still goes on. and We hear it every day as people take the Lord's name in vain. Right? Judgment on humanity. And Jesus says that now is the time for judgment on this world. Will the world pass the test or fail? It's a pass or fail test. And we fail. He says the prince of this world will be driven out. The cross is also Satan's Waterloo. Oh, he's still around. He's still doing something. But he's been defeated. And Jesus, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. And uh, I've got uh, nine things. Let me go quick. Number one, he's showing you how he's going to die. When I'm lifted up, crucifixion, somebody else nails you. Somebody else lifts you up. Somebody else puts you in a position you don't want to be in. Telling you how he's going to die. Number two, when I am lifted up, it implies exaltation and glorification. There for everybody to see, right in public. Number three, the lifting up and the cross is designed by God to make Jesus clear to view. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Must the Son of Man be lifted up. It has to take place. It's the plan of God. And number four, the lifting up of the Son of Man is one of the great proofs of who Jesus is. Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Notice this as well, though. He says, I will draw. Jesus is not just a passive participant. When I am lifted up, I will draw. I picture Jesus up there with a little rope. And he's throwing that rope out. He's lassoing you. And he's lassoed uh, Colin. And he's pulling him in. And he's lassoed and he's got uh, Colin's wife, Esther. And he's pulling her in. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Beautiful. Jesus dying on the cross, he's not just there doing nothing. He's doing something. Point number two. Oh, actually, this is point number six. <laughs> I will draw all men to myself. The cross of Jesus serves as the basis of people coming to Christ. And is the basis for attraction to Christ. When I'm lifted up, I will draw men to myself. Not when I do my miracles. Not when I raise Lazarus from the dead, as great as that is. But when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. All men means all men without distinction. Men women, Russians, the largest tribe in the world. I don't know if that's the mandarins in China. He will draw the mandarins, and he will draw the smallest little jungle tribe that is separated from everyone else. He will draw all men to himself. I will draw all men to myself. His death produces many seeds. One death. Millions.
billions of seeds. Notice where the Jesus' death draws men. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to where? To myself. Jesus' cross is a way of bringing you to Jesus. That's where he's bringing you. Bringing you to Jesus. After all, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what that means. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am on the cross, and I'm drawing you to me so that you can have fellowship with God. Well, this morning, you see that Jesus hated his life. You should, too. Jesus hated his life. You should hate your life, too, so that you can save it for eternity. Jesus' finest hour was the cross. And when he was lifted up, he's drawing all men to himself. This morning, are you being drawn to Jesus? If so, this is the day for you to say, Lord, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to give you my life. Meet with me after the service and pray with me so that Jesus can be your Lord. You feel I'm drawing you? Come. Come to the Savior.